0: In. <in <Eli brightest> Welcome back, everybody, to the Big Players Only podcast, a partner of the Listen Frederick Podcast Network, and sponsored by Forecraft Cocktails. Got myself Ben, Josh, Tyler, Tully, and Colin coming at you. Our sixth member, the one, the only Kenny, one, but will be returning next week. We'll be happy to have him back. We got a lot of fun golf from this past weekend to recap the LIV Portland event, the John Deere Classic. Lots of good golf. I'll tell you what, the LIV thing was a little bit more impressive as the weeks go on. We'll get everyone's opinion on which one they thought was more of a success this past weekend. We also had myself, Ben, Tyler, and Tully playing in a Sunday scramble at Carroll Valley just up into Pennsylvania. A really great course. The course was in really good condition. It's got six par threes, though, so it's a tough scramble course. We'll tell you what we shot and we'll tell you how much money we took from those old guys with those deep pockets. Then to wrap up our coverage from this past week, this past Monday and Tuesday, just a couple days ago, we had a really cool event in the JP McManus Pro-Am, played in Ireland. They don't play it every year. They give out a ton of money to charity, and we saw the big cat back in action. So we'll talk about other players we saw, what we thought about the tournament, and then what we think Tiger's game looks like headed into the open. And then looking forward to this week, we have a really cool event in the Scottish Open, the prequel to the Open Championship being played at St. Andrews in a couple of weeks. This course they play this week is going to be just as linksy, just as tough, and the field is going to be just as talented. We have 14 of the top 15 players in the world, including three new entrants that were previously banned from the DP World Tour for the next couple of events because they played in the first LIV Tour event. We'll give you those names when we come back. Thanks for being here. Let's have a great episode. Four Craft Cocktails, the best tasting and easiest drinking transfusion on the market. Whether you're on the course, at a tailgate, or enjoying a Friday night with your friends, you'll find the pre-mixed 7% Four Craft Transfusion, just what you're looking for to mix things up. With a variety of other products, including a Bloody Mary, Ranch Water, and a coming-this-summer John Daly, it's the go-to beverage for the big players. A family-owned, all-natural, gluten-free drinking option that has the guys playing their best and feeling even better. You can find all their retail locations at forecraftcocktails.com. That's F-O-R-E craftcocktails.com. And make sure to mention to your local beer shop and golf course that we need these things everywhere. All right, a pretty solid week of golf. We're wrapping up competing events with the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. The Live Tour in Portland at Pumpkin Ridge. I think a course that I was generally impressed with, pretty small greens, like a pretty nice challenging test. Nobody really went crazy deep. And then the John Deere, uh, uh, J- JT Post, and wire-to-wire winner. I mean, we've seen this guy on tour for a while. He's classically revered as one of the best putters on tour when he gets hot. Gets back in the winner circle. What are you guys' thoughts on this past week? And
1: uh, if you have an event you liked more, tell us which one. Yeah, I mean, I frankly didn't watch a whole lot of golf this weekend, just tried to kind of follow along on social media. But if you put aside all the negatives of the Live Golf that we've talked extensively about, I thought it was a pretty decent product this week. I mean, obviously, much bigger names there. The team aspect, I think, is really starting to take shape as as something that could work and, and be of a lot of interest. I mean, we saw some teams celebrating at the end. I think it was... Uh, Carlos Ortiz drained a long birdie putt for his team to place uh, but the the quality of golf is starting to get a little bit better and you know everything I saw of videos and pictures it, it looked like a pretty cool fan experience there.
2: I gotta agree with you Dub. I didn't watch a ton of golf this weekend either but I'm definitely more intrigued by the live golf. Um, first off apologies to my new boy Hidetto. I was kind of giving him some grief last week about being him being the captain and then Round one, I think he ended up tied for third, and I was like, all right, maybe this guy's got something here, so apologies to Detto. I'll be following you a little bit more closely going forward, and the other nice thing I did notice was I could understand the names on the leaderboard. They did make some slight improvements. I don't want to just get hung up on the leaderboard every week for me, but that was an improvement I did see in the broadcast, so... Shout out to Liv for kind of coming up with some improvements. Yeah, good. pretty
0: much whole last names, which I thought was yeah easier to
2: recognize. Yeah, it's a good thing they listened to your feedback, Tyler. <laughs> they must have listened yeah. to the podcast. Someone's got a plug there, so.
0: So let's look at this top 10. Brandon Grace wins at 13-under. Then it goes Carlos Ortiz, Patrick Reed, Dustin Johnson, Louis Oosthuizen, or sorry, Ustahusen. Still, still can't G- win. <laughs> Ginny Charo-Kazuma, a guy we don't know, Taylor Gooch, Matt Wolf, Justin Harding, Bryson DeChambeau, and then Abe Anser in 11th. I mean, that is a pretty good product they put out there. These guys played well. The course was tough, but, I mean, 13 under, 1, and we had 15 guys under par. That's not too bad.
1: Yeah, I mean, the four aces team, I think, were, were heavy, heavy favorites. I mean, with Reed. DJ, Gooch, and then uh, Pat Perez kind of rounding it out. I think they were expected to take it home, and they had three guys in the top seven. And, you know, the main headline there is Pat Perez shoots an 80 in the final round and still makes almost a million dollars by showing up. He won so, the lottery. What do you expect?
3: Yeah. He's very excited. <laughs>
1: Did contribute to the team, though.
0: Shot 69 in round one. So contributed to their victory. But yeah, in an interview after, they're talking to all of them. There's a lot to, a lot to unpack with that final interview. But the one thing <laughs> with Pat Perez is they look around. The guys are, who's buying dinner right now? They're all a million dollars richer. And Pat Perez goes, it's me. I shot a million today. <laughs> Talk about Taylor Gooch, Tully. I know you thought it was a pretty funny comment.
3: Yeah, so you, you kind of saw they did do their whole like big champagne thing, like it's an F1 event after they win a race with the, the leaders. So the four aces are all up there. Perez easily pops the bottle of champagne. Not DJ, surprising. DJ, very quick to get the champagne open. Patrick Reed has a little experience, you know, Ryder Cups kind of stuff, pops the bottle open. And Taylor Gooch stand there for like 45 seconds trying <laughs> to get this bottle of champagne open. And then he finally does, and he's just kind of like pouring it. He's out. literally he's doesn't just, have like his finger yeah, on the thing. Gonna, he's just he's pouring just like it. So out. awkward and uncomfortable. It's like ah, maybe he didn't belong on the door.
0: Well, then also him in that interview after they asked him like kind of what he thought the environment was like, and I'll give it to him. I think that they had a good a good crowd there. I think it was exciting. But he makes comments like you know I've never been to a, a Ryder Cup or Presidents Cup, but this can't be a whole hell of a lot different. And I think all of us are just rolling our eyes like Taylor, shut the hell up. DJ think, was also rolling his eyes. Did you see <laughs> the look on
1: his face, we, like turned to say like What is this guy saying?" Some of these guys have like clauses in their contracts. Like, if you compare Live Golf to Ryder Cup, you get an extra million dollars. Like a little system. shot collar in shot. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. Some of the things that come, come out of these guys' mouths in the pressers. But, you know, if we scroll down the leaderboard a little further, you know, Phil Mickelson, a solid 40 second performance and, you know, 10 over. So he's making. You know what? Almost two hundred million dollars for being a total of—he's
3: twenty over 20, in his yeah. two events and has made two hundred eighty-six
1: thousand. So he's, consistent. In just that. he's yeah, consistent. He's
3: consistently ten at over, the bottom, ten yeah. over,
4: and I think his team finished in last place this week too. Yeah, the high he, flyers. Yeah, the high flyers
0: have a lot of work to do. <laughs> I mean, good God, they <laughs> the have three guys quality. in the bottom ten. It's pretty hmm. bad. Phil, Phil also didn't break seventy-five this week. It's not <laughs> like he had one good round and one bad round. He didn't even
3: break seventy-five. It's okay. I didn't break seventy-five either. So,
4: so are these guys going to be able to play in the
3: Open Championship?
0: Yeah, I think the yeah. RNA has not come out in yet. Just kind of like the U.S. Open, where they've pretty much said, like, we're not currently recognizing any bands.
3: That being said, we'll see how they how this next week shakes out because some are getting to play there. We'll see that and talk about later.
0: Yeah, I was pretty impressed, impressed with this four Aces team. I mean, I know they're a powerhouse, but Reed, Johnson, Gooch, and then Pat Perez, I mean, that's like four absolute stud names. I mean, I think that my one thing about this whole this whole thing is, like, We really thought we were going to get, like, a genuine snake draft to do this thing where, like, teams weren't going to be overpowered. And then we have, like, every week, it's just, like, predetermined selected teams. Half the captains aren't even people we recognize. I'm still, like, not that sold on this whole team format.
3: I'm beginning to think all these teams were, like, way prearranged. And it's just, like, that first week we didn't... Not all the players were there kind of thing. So, it was like, that's why Taylor Gooch was a captain that first week rather than he was always supposed to be, like, on the four aces team. I think they're still kind of... All shaken out. This is why that whole the whole team format, like you know, it's going to work in the championship, still doesn't make any sense to anybody. I think they're still expecting to get a few more names to have those more predetermined teams by the time that end of the season.
0: I know those Majestics, the ones that are led by Poulter, they were classically the first team we saw that was like, yeah, not drafted and just guys that got to pick. I think they lost a decent player and they picked up a guy named Laurie Cantor and I think all, all these guys are bottom half of the leaderboard. So I guess
4: it can be just as good as it is bad if you have predetermined teams. It's just frustrating because it seems like an easy fix. Like you have your captain set and then you actually go through and have a draft each week and then that leads to the championship at the end. The teams are consistent, or at least the captain's piece is consistent by the end. Now what they're doing is it just doesn't make any sense to me, just predetermined with, like, one or two changes each week.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a revolving door. So, you know, the whole idea of teams is, oh, you can root for the same guys every week, you know, just like any other sport. But if it's just constantly, you know, the captain's the same and everybody else changes, it's hard to really, you know, if you're a big you know patrick reed fan by some stretch of the imagination do not exist then yeah, big then, if. then if he's changing hats every week then it, you know you're buying different merchandise every week for the the team you want to root for so i get the the fields are changing constantly but it would be kind of cool to start seeing some Some more continuity with some of these teams. I'm not sure how you do that. Like some kind of relegation process or something, but then
0: the top-heavy teams kind of stay top-heavy. But there's got to be a way to rotate in. Yeah, like every team, like every draft you make, like the first player you pick, you have to keep them on your team for like a couple weeks or something like that. You can't change teams, and then the rest of the players kind of you know, come in and out of teams. But you're right. They're just too top-heavy right now.
1: Yeah, we've seen the PGA Tour respond to a lot of these live aspects, but we really haven't seen them talk about a a team event, which is a little bit surprising because I, I do think this is one of the things that makes live very fascinating. There's quite a bit of work to do to go, but the idea of teams and having a season long competition and a year end championship, that's something like the Ryder Cup would be would be really cool to see on tour. Yeah,
0: so before we leave live and talk about the John Deere, I would just like to comment that I watched the last hour of coverage on Saturday. You had Patrick Reed chipping in to kind of get into contention. You had Brendan Grace, who is leading the tournament at the time, misses a part four green, kind of goes down a slope. Everyone's kind of holding their breath. He trips in in some crazy theatrics, plays the rest of his round. I think he played his last five holes, three under. DJ's on his heels. Carlos Ortiz drains long putts. Like, really pretty pleased with how the tournament wrapped up.
1: Ben, confirmed live guy now. Are there any remaining guys who have committed and haven't played yet? Like that came out in the last week? Paul Casey? Oh, that's right. Paul Casey. Casey is new one, yeah.
0: Well, cool. So let's talk about John Deere. Um, JT Poston, man. I mean, I think this guy's got a lot of game. He's one of those guys that's, you know, I think these guys really have to sharpen their swords. Like you really, it's very rare for guys like Zalatoris comes out on tour and within a year or two, he's contending in majors. That's rare. I think uh, Poston's that kind of guy that has all the talent, has like one area of his game that is extremely good. And if he can do the rest of it pretty well, he's going to win more.
4: Poston's been really hot. let's not forget he finished T two last week too. So he's got T two and a win in the past two weeks. I think he's been top ten in three of the last six events. So he's playing some really good golf right now. And I know everyone makes a big deal about these top players going to live, but I kinda like these these John Deere classics, these these Barbasol championships that give these guys that haven't won in a while or have never won a chance to kinda go out there and play good golf and qualify for the open and or get their first PGA tour win. In Poston's case it was a second, but Um, a guy who's been on tour for six years and had he's only 29 years old been on tour for six years and only had one win before this so good for him
1: well and and you really saw it after the round i mean how much it means to win on the pga tour something you're not going to see on live i mean he was getting emotional talking about you know everybody that's been supporting him and i think he's gone through some kind of serious swing changes and really trying to battle back so you know for him to kind of reach the uh the apex of getting back on top of the PGA tour here with a victory is was really cool to see and especially how much it meant to the guy.
3: Yeah, I definitely agree with you there, Colin, though, about that whole like this kind of storylines you see in these. I know T four was Chris up and like he wrote like a heartfelt letter to the John Deere Classic to get in, like saying, like, I'm gonna do everything I can to put on a show for you guys out there, all that kind of stuff, and then came out and was like seventeen under or something, and he performed really well. That being said, I mean, it still wasn't enough to get me to tune in and watch it. Like, It just wasn't... Like I'd I want to hear about the storyline, but I don't necessarily feel like I want to sit there and watch it for four days straight, kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I really wasn't aware of like the timing on the final round, but I think if I would have known when the final nine holes was coming on, I probably definitely would have tuned in. But you know, we talk about an event that usually breeds like a first-time winner in JT's case, a second-time winner, but still like relatively young in his career. We still had a really good leaderboard here: JT Poston, Christian Bezaden out, who's been kind of a come-out player from South Africa the past couple of years. Emiliano Griot, kind of a guy who's been playing for a long time. Chris got up. This kid who's like a rookie on the PGA Tour coming out of college is going to be really good. Scott Stallings, our boy from around here, Denny McCarthy, Maverick McNeely—like, not really a bad leaderboard at all. Yeah,
1: and, and a little bit further down too. So his the gala comes back from his meltdown last week and gets a top twenty. I mean, easy to see him kind of bailing on this tournament or or not performing well, but he comes back with another solid outing. Obviously with a little weaker of a field, but still, you know, kind of cool to see a guy like that keep keep showing up on on the leaderboard.
0: And I know we don't want to turn this into a Sahith podcast like we said earlier on the season, but he, I think Sahith is really amazing. He shot three over in the first round. The guy was in like tied for 120-something. He comes out and shoots six, six, and three under on his last three rounds and gets into a top 20. Like This guy's got some game. I think we know that. But to see him fight like this, that's a big mental, mental hurdle for him, I think.
4: Yeah, I also want to bring up this guy, Chris Nagel, who actually, he's a, on the Corn Fairy Tour right now. He Monday qualified for this event, and he was tied for six going into the final round. Um, he ended up finishing. He ended up having a tough Sunday, but it's kind of cool to see someone Monday qualify and then be in contention on the last day. Um, I think he finished T-16, but still, that's a really good finish for him, especially as someone who doesn't have full status on the PGA Tour right now.
0: And you got to love those stories. You're not going to get them with Liv. you got a couple guys, young guys, that are signing contracts with Liv, but a little bit of a sellout, but you're right. These are the stories that you just – that's why you love the PGA Tour. So let's talk about the other event that happened this past Monday, Tuesday, the J.P. McManus Pro-Am that was on None of our radars until we saw like some tweets and stuff on it about Monday. But this is a big kind of nonprofit profit that they throw together, Pro-Am. And this list of players they had in it were unbelievable. I mean, Rory McIlroy, Patrick Canlay, Matt Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, DJ DeChambeau, guys from you know all over the place. Really cool event. Um, I don't really think we saw any coverage of any of our like, favorite golfers playing well, per se. I mean, it's a little bit of a more relaxed vibe, but pretty cool event. What do you guys think?
3: Yeah, it's kind of a wild thing. I remember... Like, when it came out a while ago, the next time Tiger was going to play was at this event. And, like, I looked into it a little bit. And it's just basically this guy from Ireland, this businessman, just puts on this huge thing. And for whatever reason, I don't know what he's doing, but all the professional golfers in the world just love him. Like Tiger said, we wouldn't be out here for anyone other than JP, that kind of thing. Like, it's just, I don't know what exactly it is about this event, but something that, like, they, the guys really seem to like it for some
0: reason. And excuse me for for hitting Tiger Woods in my short list of a players. That, <laughs> I'm just thinking about the top players in the world. But anytime Tiger gets on the course, it's absolutely like everyone needs to watch.
1: Tiger riding around in a cart in this event—a little bittersweet to see that. I know but he's I, resting up. I, I think I was, in five years—that's what majors look like for Tiger. I was shocked. I watched a little bit yesterday and even a little bit today. The crowds were huge yeah. there for being this amateur event. You know, I, I know a lot of the attention was on the. Irish natives there, Shane Lowry, Leona McGuire. Like every Irish Rory. golfer we know was. Yeah, event. I mean, so it was, it was pretty cool to see them highlighted and, and how much they mean to, to that country there. What was the format of that event? It was just like a
4: pro-am? Or, were there any stakes?
1: It's or like was a it just- mixed
3: kind of thing. So
1: it's a, all the pros
3: are playing in technically two events. So they're all playing their own ball for their own little trophy. And then they're also doing kind of like a Florida scramble sort of situation where... There's three amateurs that are with him on a team, and they'll basically play from the best drive, which is pretty much going to be the pro, I'd assume. Mm-hmm. I did
0: see a, t- a peg in the ground, so yeah, I didn't realize what it was until I saw that. You're kind of like dropping where the best
3: drive is. Yeah, and then there, so there's like two separate events kind of going on, but it looked like when I was looking at the leaderboard that they almost like, the pros will play with one group one day, and then they'll have a new pro for those same three guys the next day, so it's kind of kind of neat little situation, I think.
1: Kind of funny too. I saw a headline and it kind of shook me like Jordan Spieth DQ'd from this event. I'm like, whoa, what the hell happened? But yeah, he just picked up a ball kind of forgetting he had an individual competition to worry about. Kind of funny.
0: Yeah, so it looks like, yeah, so Xander Shoffley actually won 10-under sam burns in second shane lowry i mean there's just it's funny to read off this leaderboard because it's kind of just like a pro event but my god this leaderboard
3: is really good yeah xander actually shot the course record at a dare manor or whatever the course was called so he, he's got a and they're nice playing nice
1: the, they're playing the Ryder cup there in not cup, too long it's a couple years not yeah. very long at all yeah and i think i heard roms come out and say they need to un-americanize this course a little bit because it's, it's not quite that link style that you would expect playing in <laughs> europe it's it's more of an American style course, so it'll be interesting to see if this thing changes at all. In the I next also heard few Fitch, years.
0: Fitzpatrick made similar comments, thinking like, you know, how do we make our, how do we give an edge to the Europeans on this course? He's like, uh, tighten the fairways and grow that rough up. That's literally how do you beat an American?
3: You tighten the fairways. How do you guys feel about uh, Nick Faldo being the amateur that was in one, in this field? I think if you probably watched him golf, you would
0: understand. He's yeah. probably he probably can barely break. He probably can't break eighty five on this course now. <laughs> I, don't know. I gotta
3: imagine around the greens. He's probably yeah
0: still good around the greens. It, yeah. He's probably still hitting like three irons into the into yeah, the, but they're uh, all playing from the best drive, the best drive anyway. I'd be interested to see who his partner was. That's true. Cool. And then in other news, I guess other golf from this past weekend. Tyler Tully and myself got to go up to Carroll Valley, a little course, probably half an hour from here, up into PA. A fun course, a ski resort, a course that if you haven't been to, you you should go check it out. Six par threes, five par fives, par 71, pretty crazy layout. We played a little scramble, so we played us three and my dad against two other groups, one fivesome, one foursome of varying skill levels, but I guess nobody of those guys were, they were probably the best golfers were probably five or six handicaps, but uh, we take on the title, shot 12 under, pretty respectable with 6 par 3 seeing as like we missed half the par 3 greens and we had four
3: shots at it. Yeah, that course is so brutal cuz like such a big gap between like the whites the blues versus the seniors or women's teams, which was most of the guys we were playing Yeah, all the old guys play seniors, from. yeah. It was like a thousand yard difference, so they're all playing from like a hundred and twenty yards every par three, and we're like two hundred yards. Every Ironically,
2: time. we're hitting the same clubs though.
3: Yeah, same, same <laughs> we keep saying par threes, and
2: it's like I hate having to relive them all because I think what was it four of them? I think are one eighty and longer, and yep. it's like I always say if it's one seventy or longer, it's like I have no chance. It's like if I have to hit anything other than a seven iron, and it's like I have no idea where it's going to go.
0: Yeah, I think the first par three was playing one hundred and forty. We birdied it, and the rest of them, I don't think we had a putt inside of thirty feet.
3: Yeah, I mean. It was a fun time, though, because uh, usually when we've gone up for that group of people, we've played it's always a big skins game, and for whatever reason, they, they shifted from that, so this was the first time I actually made money playing with these yeah, old I think guys. Yeah, people was... were losing
0: a lot of money playing skins, especially us when we would visit, and uh, yeah, they changed up the format, so I think we took like 25 bucks off of mm-hmm. everybody, yeah, It's mm-hmm. like but we were only a foursome, there's one fivesome, so they split it up a little bit, but hey,
1: 25 bucks pay for the round, good Sunday for us. So, a little interesting, only three big players playing in this event, like Colin couldn't yeah, show Colin, up, or Ken, Colin, what happened to those guys? We tried to get on Colin's
0: schedule.
2: He's just a tough man to <laughs> nail down.
4: Yeah, it's funny. Ben, me, Ben, Tully,
1: and Larry play every Thursday
4: together, and somehow I got swapped out for the big Saturday match. Interesting.
2: When you're trying to win, you know who to bring in. Huh. Tyler and, and Colin have some beef they need, yeah, need to deal with.
3: Well, you, you were so iffy on whether or not you wanted to play in the actual scramble in a couple weeks, just giving your spot up to Ken right away. We just assumed you weren't you weren't available.
4: Ken said he's never played in a scramble, and I said, here, bud, why don't you You're so generous. Oh, Thanks, nice, Colin. Nice guy, Colin. Sorry for giving away my spot and being generous. Now we're gonna have to really try at that scramble, okay? <laughs> Ken's gonna be so nervous on the first. It's team. gonna be
3: so fun. <laughs> I did really enjoy though in that uh, during that scramble, just kind of texting the boys and making them think I was individually shooting. You know, a twenty nine on the front nine. Yeah, totally shot
0: He sent a scorecard update with the first four holes, like three under through four, and everyone's like,
3: "Whoa, what a round you got going
0: here!" And Then he sends a front nine twenty nine, and there was still Ken was still like, "Oh my god, you got a hell <laughs> round." <wrong." laughs> Needless to say it took him like 10 minutes to go He's lying (laughs) Cool I think that wraps up our weekly update We'll be back in a second to talk about the Scottish Open Coming up this week All right, so we're coming up on the week before the Open Championship and we're playing the Scottish Open. It's always a great prequel to the Open. The course plays very Lynx-like. I mean, the scores are usually not too low. You'll see a lot of the, you know, the gorse bushes and then not a lot of rough, but the ball will be rolling all over the place. Uh, we have an incredibly strong field. I mean, leading up to an Open where the course conditions are always just a little different than guys are used to, they like to get over there a week or two early to warm up. We got 14 of the top 15 players in the world. And then as we alluded to uh, before the broadcast, we have three players coming to play that were previously banned because playing in live. So Ian Poulter, Adrian Otegi and Justin Harding, three uh, DP world T- tour players are now free to play in this event. Uh, there's a lot of kind of arbitration going on right now. Uh, there's, there's an independent investigator kind of came in and said, you don't really have the grounds to ban these guys from events. So they had to let them in. Um, what are you guys thoughts on the events and then who are you looking for?
3: Yeah, I'm really excited for to watch on the Scottish Open because it is fun to see that that complete change. You see that that link style course we really don't get to see them play too often, and is that nice? And there isn't really like a lag in terms of. Or a letdown before the pre before the major that we always will see where everyone's oh they're getting to the other course early because all of them are out there trying to play like you said so I'm excited to see my boy Jordan because any course where you gotta maybe get a little more creative around the greens I really enjoy it you know you'll see all those fun like bump and runs all that kind of stuff happening
0: is he a one time or a two time Open champ uh one I think it's one but I think it might also be two I know at least one where he hit it onto the range and yeah, played out of craziness. That's only what I can think for him. But look at this field. I mean, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Xander Schauffele coming off his J.P. McManus win, Matt Fitzpatrick, Patrick Canley, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa, Sam Burns, Zalatoris, and Spieth. I mean, and then some names that just kind of trickle down the leaderboard aren't like odds-on favorites, but Matsuyama, Hovland, Sung J.M., Billy Horschel. Like, these, is, this is a crazy talented field. You're right, it's, it's very linksy. You're going to have to play a lot of shots. The winner that won last year, Minwoo Lee, who uh, second most talented player in his family. His sister, Minji Lee, won the Women's U.S. Open at Southern or Pine Needles this year. He actually, before he became like the crazy good golfer he is, I remember knowing him because he hits world-class stingers on YouTube and Instagram and stuff like that. So to see him play wild, of course, like this makes sense because you're going to have to keep the ball down out of the and wind. And did something there's
1: going to be 40-mile-an-hour winds coming. Oh, so much fun. Yeah, so it's nice for us as, you know, casual viewers of – you know, getting ready to watch the open and understanding how different that golf is. And like Tippy's saying, the wind's gonna be really blowing, so we'll really get to see some link style shots that these guys are gonna have to play. I'm looking at a couple
0: guys kind of down the odds list here, but Lucas Herbert, a really good player on the DP world, and then Aaron Rye, an American, but played on the DP world. These are guys that know how to play in tough conditions, but they're both trending at like plus 6,500. I mean, Minwoo certainly wasn't a favorite when he won last year, so I could see some of these guys kind of coming out of nowhere.
2: With how strong the field is, I was kind of surprised, even though he's coming off of a win recently, to see Fitzpatrick as the number four favorite. Um, he's ahead of guys like Morikawa, Cantlay, Xander off of his big Pro-Am win. <laughs> I don't know, in my mind, if Fitzpatrick surpassed those guys. Just, I don't know if that's recency bias with him winning recently to get
3: those odds, but do you really want to take Fitzpatrick over a Cantlay? I, I love it. We should mull it over. What do you guys think? I think that's got to be stemming from him you know, being a European guy, that he's played in a lot of those kind of conditions. He's kind of cautious. It's, I think that's probably where it's stemming rather than... You know, when he's you know, come back over here in a couple of weeks, sort of situation. You know, I think that same field, you'll see him probably still in the top ten odds, but I don't think he'll be ahead of all those guys.
4: Yeah, I agree, Tully. That's definitely factoring into it. Although I'd probably argue that this guy's been playing unbelievable on these American style courses lately. Maybe he's forgot how to play these old courses.
0: Oh, I don't think so. I think Southern I think um it's in uh, his blood. I think yeah, the country what was he? What was he seven over last
4: week? Yeah. That, that I that think the country yeah.
0: <laughs> I think the country club with the US Open and out of form from I'm just saying. Way. I think the country club where they played the US Open played a lot like this is gonna play. I think the wins weren't quite up as much, but you talk about fast fairways, um really small greens, fast greens, you had to get creative around the greens. I mean, it's all about that cross handed chipping stroke, guys.
3: Yeah to be filthy around those greens.
0: But I think, I don't know, Tyler. I think I see where you're coming from. Certainly a little recency bias, but I I think he might be the best player in the field this week with how, how well he's been playing.
4: Just because Rory's not in
2: it? Yeah, because Rory's not in <laughs> it. Yeah.
4: Rory would tear this place up. The re- reason I love watching the Scottish Open is because, like we said, it's our kind of first tune-up to Lynx Golf, but these are kind of courses that they aren't on the open rotation, so we don't get to see them all the time. Granted, the Renaissance Club where they're playing this week is, is the fourth year in a row I think they're playing it there, but... Uh, these courses are often, like, right on the cliffs, picturesque views of these, like, they're called Firths, I think. These, like, big kind of bay area, these bay water bodies with, like, these abandoned islands and lighthouses. It's it's cool. I think the 12th, 13th, and 14th hole, you overlook this, like, abandoned island over this cliff with this huge old lighthouse. It's really cool looking. So, really, you get these, some of these awesome views on these Scottish courses that you definitely don't get to see on the regular PGA Tour circuit.
1: Yeah, and, you know, this is kind of leads to a little bit of a criticism of the PGA Tour. They don't do enough of this kind of stuff. This might be, what, their only sanctioned event outside of the U.S. And, you know, as we're sitting here talking, it's so cool to see these different locations across the globe and them playing there. I think we might see that coming more into the foreground in the future here. But really like this, uh, you know, getting overseas and and playing a PGA Tour event because you're going to get these – stacked fields and and see the best play on different showcases i think one guy that i'm probably looking at this week is scotty scheffler i mean we know
0: how good he was playing in the beginning of the year but i also think that scotty scheffler moves his ball better than anyone in the world i mean fitzpatrick played really well at the country club but probably played pretty well here he's got a good chance going into the open because his ball is flight is not naturally that high anyways but I'm looking for a guy like Scottie Scheffler to kind of come into this place and carve it up. Low shots, high shots, a really good short game. I would, I mean, I would definitely be trending Scottie Scheffler this week. So if we look at the 2021 leaderboard, a few names we've mentioned. So Min Wu won it, but he won in a playoff actually against Fitzpatrick and Thomas G. Tree. So I think maybe another reason why you're seeing Fitzpatrick trending up there. But then a guy like I mentioned, Lucas Herbert, a good links player. Ian Poulter, our boy Ryan Palmer, played well over there. American, good old Texas boy. John Rahm, Justin Thomas, uh, Xander Schauffele. So, like, names that keep coming up high in the odds. They ended up playing really well last year as well.
4: Is Ryan Fox in the field this week? I know this is kind of a one-off name, but I feel like he's always up there in, like, this event, the Scottish Open and the Open Championship. I think he's really a a really solid player on the DP World Tour, and he hits the ball a mile. I think he is. I think his short game is what gets him, but he always seems to kind of peak at, at this time of year on these open courses.
0: Well, he's a ton of fun to watch too. He just recently lost a playoff to Victor Perez at the Dutch open. So he's been playing good golf, but yeah, if you don't know or haven't watched Ryan Fox, he sure is an interesting one to watch. He, he, Slight build, maybe 5'9", five, 5'10", five, maybe 190 pounds. Like a bit of a beefcake-style guy, but absolutely hits the ball a mile. Hits it like 340, 350, and you're right. Short game, a little lacking. But I could, that's a great person to keep your eye
2: on. That is funny you say that, Colin. I, I've never even heard of him, and I'm looking at the PGA Tour article where they're doing the, some of the rankings. They have him power ranking number 14. Wow. And that's a guy, like I'm saying, I've never heard of, but you guys say he plays well this type of course and can really bomb it. So that's kind of crazy that he's going to be, a, in one person's eyes, 14th. Yeah.
0: the Power hitting Kiwi, I think he's from New Zealand. Good golfer though.
3: Not really a surprise name here. We got to think JT's also got a great shot here. After we saw how he did in the wind at the Players, with where he was like the only person to go on that day where it was just like forty mile an hour winds kind of thing. You know, played bogey free golf. You got to be probably looking out for him too.
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Justin Thomas. i He is a great player. He's got to be on your radar, but for some reason. I don't know why he's just not trending that high for me. I think it's because he can kind of get so hot and cold. He doesn't have that consistent play that works. I think he kind of made his – he cut his cloth from that kind of being a really consistent golfer, and now he's really turned into kind of a hot and cold kind of player. Kind of like Rory?
4: Yeah. Well, JT, I feel like his kind of MO is being a shot creator. Like, he has all the shots in the bag. He can basically do whatever he wants with a golf ball. So you'd think this would be kind of the perfect style of golf for him where if you got to keep it down in the air, air, you can. If you got to – hit a high one that lands, you can if you want to hit like a low bump and run chip somewhere. He's got all those shots in the bag, so you'd think he'd be successful at the Scottish Open and, and the Open Championship courses.
1: Yeah, that that's almost kind of an Achilles heel for him too. He's got all different kinds of shots he can play, so he tries to do way too many shots when he doesn't necessarily need to. So it's kind of understanding how to kind of take, he's probably the best shot maker in the game, how to take that and reel it back at times and not just try to do the the most extravagant shot every every time possible. Yeah, I don't think we
0: have nobody on the podcast is like a, a really big JT fan as far as like their favorite player. I mean, I think we all like, like watching JT play, but anybody, if I ever met them and said they were a JT fan, that would just feel bad for them the same way they should feel bad for me being a Rory fan, because you're right. Rory's same kind of way. Like, guy can hit a draw, hit a cut, but sometimes you're like, Rory... Go play 18 holes and just hit a cut everywhere, and you probably would get in less trouble. JT kind of same thing. But JT probably has a deeper bag of shots, but some of those shots he was hitting at the players, you're right. I'd love to see some of those come out, those little knuckle draws he was hitting that get like 50 feet off the ground and then roll 200 yards.
3: Here they'll roll it crazy in that link style too. You got to think about that.
0: Absolutely. So another guy in the field. um, It's pretty controversial this week too, Billy Billy. Billy Horschel coming out, kind of like calling out some of these guys that went PGA Tour to live, calling them a little – a little two-faced, a little, like, I'm not willing to sit back and just be diplomatic about this anymore. You guys kind of suck. I mean, I think it's – a lot of it's Pat Perez. Who else? I mean, Pat Perez openly coming out saying, I'm defending the PGA Tour, and then two weeks changed his mind.
4: Well, we've already talked, so, talked about Brooks Kepka too, who apparently just made the decision last minute. <laughs> <laughs> guy, like, 20 saying, minutes after yeah, his U.S. So, Open presser. Yeah. I was getting ready to come on this podcast and kind of praise Pat Perez for kind of speaking his mind and telling it like it is and saying, yeah, I hit the lottery. I'm not ashamed of what I did, but – Now it seems like an hour before this podcast, these comments come out from Billy Horschel, and it's like, oh, maybe I was wrong.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I appreciate it. You kind of almost expect this kind of from Billy Billy. He's always one of those uh, little loud little fiery guys out there on the course. And I think at this point he's sick of being asked about live golf and it just kind of all came out. But he, I think he is on the whole, like the players committee or whatever that meets with the PGA tour. So he took, he's kind of taking it all a lot more personally, I think than other guys are because he, he feels like, you know, we are communicating to PGA tour. We are working with the PGA tour a lot more versus maybe a guy like Pat Perez that, you know, kind of seems a little more laid back and you know, it doesn't necessarily see what is going on behind the scenes now
1: yeah i liked his candor a lot he was not afraid of saying anything about anybody and you know a lot of these things people don't really realize like live golf is all about you know that work-life balance and then he comes out and he says like if you think about it they're required to play 14 events every year in the four majors so 18 events you don't have to play that much on the pga tour you get to pick and choose when you get to play and not many people are talking about that because all that's all that's being circulated in the media is just, you know, oh, we're forced to play 40 weeks on the PGA Tour, and so him kind of turning the discussion a little bit in a different of a direction.
3: I kind of found that one to be a little unfair of a statement. Like, yeah, you based off their contract uh, with PGA Tour, they only have to play, you know, 15 events or whatever that number is. But they, they also have to, like you know, win enough to maintain status to some level. Like, so there are guys, also you just have
0: to be good at golf. Yeah. So you you do
3: have to be really in succeed. (laughs) So, okay. Like Scotty Scheffler, you know, this year, he could play just, you know, one event and we wins the masters and he's done. He doesn't have to worry about it. He gets his PGA tour card for two years, but some of those like maybe lower guys that we've seen go over or people that have, you know, the older guys that are at the end of their career where they're not finishing consistently in the top 10 and getting enough points to maintain that PGA tour status you know, it does become a little bit different. They don't want to have to deal with that grind. Maybe they won't have to do the same, you know, 30 events to maintain the status and maintain that quality of life.
4: Sure, but I don't think that's who kind of we're talking about and putting in the spotlight here. Yeah, Pepper I
0: mean, is a little bit just because he's the one that kind of was like all PGA Tour and then comes a little half ass into it and says, oh, it's a better schedule. And he's like, ah, screw it. I did it for the money.
4: Right. And it's, I don't know, these guys are signing these fat contracts. You know, they're, they're going to be guaranteed like having to play – a certain of events every year which is different from what they had on the pga tour
1: also heard they played like two programs before the centurion event yeah, so the, the commitments are pretty big <laughs> and and another you know he also took shots at patrick reed and bryson because they were in their pressers saying we tried to work with the pga tour and we wanted to be player advocates and no one listened to our ideas and i think billy if you kind of read a little between the lines and and what you know about patrick reed especially like no one likes them on tour. So no one's going to vote them to be their leader. I mean, Bryce, Bryce's idea was, let's to make it them. a long drive contest. Yeah. I mean, yeah, these guys try to put the onus on the PGA tour. Like they didn't let us be the
0: leaders and bring change. It's like, cause it's a player voted committee and no one likes either. They were either picked last you.
3: for
1: kickball and they didn't like it. <laughs> so it, it was very refreshing his comments because he's addressing the other arguments. I think everybody's too quick to go to, Oh, these guys are just out for a money grab. and And that's, that's what makes us so bad. And he's like, if you look at all these other issues that they're, like, shitting on the PGA Tour about, like, it's not really that valid. They're all just beating around the bush, 100%. And not to mention, Fred Couples comes out oh, and yeah, bashes that and that basically says, I'm never going to talk to Phil Mickelson again in my life because... Oh, boom, boom. Especially if you look at him, like, he looks like an idiot up there on the stand now because he can't even say anything because he's bound by his contract. So just another... Figurehead in the game of golf kind of speaking out against this. So, you know, really interesting to see. I think we
3: did all prefer that over the John Deere this week. I mean I mean Well, I think the
0: the Phil one's gonna be pretty interesting, and I don't wanna kill the live stuff right now. We still gotta talk about the barbersol, but uh I think that f- these contracts these guys are signing are like three or four year, maybe one or two year contracts, uh, but these are going to need to be re-upped. And uh, if, when Phil comes to the table and he's averaging ten over a tournament, I'm thinking Phil's not going to get the money he wants, and then he's kind of going to be like, "All right, I'll take this shit forty million dollars or whatever from these guys, which is still a lot of money." But he's just going to be this glorified like it's like when when the old guys playing the Masters because they won it twenty years ago. That's going to be Phil on Live Tour.
3: I got to almost imagine that you know if you know Phil doesn't you know, turn it around, start performing better. I mean, these fields are limited to 48 players. If live golf goes how they're trying to get it to go, they're going to be like, "Nah, we don't actually need you to, you know, be here anymore because we'll have, you know, 25 guys younger than you that are willing to play. He'll be the Gary player just hitting honorary tee shots. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) we'll have him
0: on the mic. Like, that's another thing. (laughs) Can I make him do something? And he's going to be like, man, I'd rather play.
1: Another aspect, sorry, Ben, to cut you off there. We said Paul Casey's another one that announced, and I think the next person rumored, who's I think open about working on a deal with Liv is Henrik Stenson, which is fascinating because he's supposed to be the Ryder cup captain next year. And so he's probably going to lose his captaincy just so he can go cash in for some uh for some money on live. I mean, we've seen people lose their captaincy at
0: over smaller things, so yeah, he'd definitely be out.
1: So let's just touch briefly on the
0: Barbasol coming up this week. It's a it's the lesser of the event this week, but it's still a PGA Tour sanctioned event. A guy we just talked about a few minutes ago is actually the odds-on favorite, and I think if he wins like quite the Cinderella story and that's Chris got So if you guys, I mean, I think we've talked about him, but so this guy goes like four years to Rutgers as an all American number one player in the big 10 gets a fifth year because of COVID ends up transferring to okay state. I believe they almost win a championship and the guy has just been on fire since. So, uh, Really interested to see how he plays this week.
3: Yeah, this is kind of an interesting event. Typically, it's actually been the alternate event to the actual Open rather than the Scottish Open. So I think last year they didn't have it because you know they were, the RNA was only major that didn't happen a year or two ago or whatever it was. But it, it's 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 definitely one of those things where you're not going to recognize most of the guys in this field. Like they don't even get like full world ranking points if they win this. They don't get a full FedEx cut points if they win this. So it's it's an interesting event. It's like honestly like lower than the John Deere, but at the same time almost a little more enticing because it's not trying to hold up as something it maybe isn't
0: you got a first year amateur is the number one odd it's like it's certainly not a huge event but it's still a six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar check so it's definitely a good one to
4: win well and he's got a great name for golf got her up got her up got her down i mean come on i just That's- met her <laughs> <laughs> But, Tully, you, you said there might be, there's not a lot of names we know. What about our boy Grayson Murray here this week? Come, yeah. He's a past champion at the Barbasol. I, we know Kevin that nah Tells you a lot about the tournament, doesn't No Kevin Na in the field, so there better not be anyone there slowing him down, or else we're going to hear about it on Twitter again. Yeah, he's 100 to 1
0: in a non PJ tour, like a <laughs> second tier <laughs> PJ tour event.
2: It's about 50th in the odds. But no one's going to miss Kevin Na, right? So, one interesting name from last year at the Barbasol uh, actually lost in the playoff. J.T. Poston, Poston. Nice. Whatever it is.
0: Comes back, man. I mean, these guys kind of hang around. I mean, these are kind of events, right? If you watch, get interested in these leaderboards a little bit, these guys would kind of, they hang around, and they might show up sometime later on.
1: It's funny looking at the bottom of the odds, and, like, a lot of these names are from 10, 15 years ago. Like, Ricky Barnes, like Kevin Stadler, Ben Crane. Arjun Atwal. Omar Oresti. like some of his it's names. the names you might oh, expect. Might have Johnson gone Wagner. Is that is that our boy?
0: <laughs> Johnson Wagner. Mustache? I think so. 500 to 1. My
4: God. Let's not forget there is the final qualifying spot for the Open Championship. The winner of the Barbasol gets to go next week. So there are it? some stakes here. Yep.
0: All right, that does it for us here this week. Make sure you keep an eye on the Scottish Open. If you haven't yet, head on over to Instagram, give us a follow at Big Players Only Pod, and give a shout out to our presenting sponsor, Four Craft Cocktails. See you next time.